0: I don't know if I think men have to go first all the time. Okay. Um, I, I probably wouldn't say it that way. I would say they need to be engaged. They need to be, they need to not shy away from hard things. Um, and I guess it could be, I mean, let's be honest. I mean really honestly asking your spouse how you're feeling today could be yeah you quote went first but you know you're not going to do most of the talking and it's you're in so there's an i think initiating is different maybe than um sort of the classic vision of male leadership that you mentioned before which was kind
1: of the drill sergeant Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am here today with Dr. Chip Roper. I love to be able to say that when it is an official title. It's pretty cool. Uh, He is the managing partner of RKE Partners and he's the president of the VOCA Center. We'll probably talk a little bit more Uh, of of some of that. But uh, this was just another introduction uh, uh, that I had that I was fortunate enough to have a a brief conversation uh, with Chip on. We had a great conversation and through that was like, hey, you need to be on the podcast. We need to expand upon this further. So that's why he's here today. That's why you're about to hear him or you're seeing him right now if you're watching this on YouTube. For the moment, though, I just want to say welcome, Chip, to the podcast. Ryan, it's great to be here. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, you great taking some time. Um, okay. So uh, we have been opening the majority of this season's podcast episodes with a question. I'm going to do the same for you. Just give you that uh, opportunity to fire away. So the question is, um, how would you best describe manhood and masculinity and, and more so in defining it for yourself and kind of in your purview?
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I am, um, among other things, part of a men's group, national men's group called the New Canaan Society. And we've got some chapters all over the place, but it's all volunteer. And I kind of make the circuit every year and talk at a few of the chapters. And I was one of the things, one of our guys says, bring us fresh meat. Like, don't bring us your three-year-old story about what's going on in your life, what's real now. And um, so for the for me this year, I've been thinking about this idea that the way out is through meaning like it's the way of courage and it's facing hard things and leaning into messy relationships and wading into things where we don't aren't sure of the outcome. And I think, I think that's part of masculinity. I think it's, it's having the, it's courage. Mm. And sometimes, you know, we think of like, we're seeing tons of courage in Ukraine right now while this is being recorded of, of, of the men staying and sending women and children to safety and, and, you know, the early onset. So we we see that story that kind of fits into sort of a classic, uh, you know, classic picture of masculinity. The man is a soldier soldier, uh, risking it all. And there's, I'm not, I don't want to say, I think there's amazing heroism going on. It's really inspiring, but that's not really where my life is right now. Um, (laughs) But for, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't feel called to, you know, go go fight or anything like that. And they wouldn't probably take me even if I tried. My wife would kill me before I got there, Ryan. That's what that would have happened if I suggested I wanted to do that. But I, I still think there's like a lot of complexity in my life uh, with adult kids, with work, uh, with uh, an interesting extended family and um, and some real tragedies that we've hit, hit over the last five years. And so I just think that's the big idea. It's like the way out of the challenge is actually through the challenge. It's not to avoid it. It's not to like macgyver it and try and like find sort of like do a half-hearted hearted approach to it uh it's it's you got to go through the and that means waiting in the mess with courage and poise and um yeah so that's that's my
1: that's my that's my first swing anyway that great question i i dig it i so there's there was two things that stood out to me i'm gonna uh, put a pin in one of them we'll, we'll hopefully come back to it but um, uh, so I uh, I have become a big fan of much of, not all of, much of what Ryan Holiday writes and contributes to uh, just the world. And so for those that don't know, Ryan Holiday is an author, uh, probably most well-known for his book, The Daily Stoic uh, and his daily kind of contributions to stoicism, which again, some of which I align with and like other stuff I reject, uh, that's okay. But uh, one of Ryan's books was a book called The Obstacle is the Way, which just happened to be the first book of holidays that I've read. He wrote The Ego is the Enemy, phenomenal book. Um, He wrote wrote Stillness is the Key, phenomenal book. But there's this idea in The Obstacle is the Way, which which he he comes at it from a couple of different places. But he says that so often in society today, uh, men and women alike uh, but I see this a lot in, in men is we're trying to live a life of obstacle avoidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to, you know, we, we see something in front of us and it used to be, and, and and I can see why we avoid it sometimes, but there used to be this desire as men to just plow down every wall that was in front of us, right? It's like, there's the enemy, we're going for it. Um, and, and then for some reason, uh, kind of, I think through my generation's, So I'm a Gen Xer, I guess, kind of on the tail end of that. We started to see obstacle avoidance, which was there was this fear to step into the obstacle um, or there was this like, I'm just going to strategize my way around it because I don't want to hassle it or I'm afraid of it. And so do you see that playing out where a lot of men still today are avoiding the obstacles in front of them? And if you do, why do you believe that's the case? If not, this question just falls flat and we can move on to the second. thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I definitely see it. I see it. You know, one of the part of the work that we do at, um, especially with VOCA, we work with people in career transition Hmm. and we inevitably get to the topic of risk. You know, and how much risk are you willing to take? And people will say, I don't, I don't, I'm not into risk mm. or I don't like risk. And of course, every, so I'll push back on them a little bit and say, well, every path is risky, mm. you know? And, and so I think that that's, it's a, so that's one space that comes up. Another, I, I we're working on a project called Resilient Leadership and my co author, David Ridley, is in his 60s. So, like I'm a Gen Xer too. He's a boomer. Uh and when he was 29, he he raised his hand to build a business for a company. And it wasn't it wasn't quite the uh entrepreneur uh working out of his garage scenario because he had a little bit of a budget, but his head was on the chopping block. And if he didn't make money, he would be fired. And so, you know, like that's and so we're sitting around a room with 35-year-old younger guys and they're working for other companies and they're struggling with some of the principles that we are throwing at them. And one of the, it just hit me like, these guys are afraid of risk. Mm. You know, they, they don't, they don't want to, they're never going to get the journey that my partner's gotten. Cause they're never going to take the chances that he took. And yeah. I think that now, sometimes it's, sometimes people do make really foolish choices, you know, and they, they pay the dumb tax. <laughs> uh, and, and they they deserve it right like yeah. you know we've all done that like so there's that side of it but then the other side flip side it's kind of like you know if you've gotten some good counsel and you've gotten you've got some verified abilities and some very you can verify mm-hmm. you can verify steps um and you're still not willing to kind of you know step out of the boat and into the storm kind of thing i think there's something there and i so i see it i Short answer. Yeah, I see it. I see we see it in, in our constituents. And we, that's one of the things we try and help them overcome. Again, we don't want them to be foolish, but well, and I, I think it's taking a risk is that's what we well, technically, we take a risk just getting out of bed every day. So it's kind of <laughs> yes. it's, there's a lot of illusionment uh, there.
1: Well, and, and I think that maybe part of the challenge is that uh, back, you know, to the boomer generation, they grew up in a generation of adversity right like they they were alive uh during the depression uh and the back end of that at least um oh, and, or the fallout from and, uh, you know, we were, we were just coming down out of war, but they were all, uh, born during this, you know, I mean, they were all alive during the second world war. So, you know, so, so they experienced a lot of true adversity that was impacting and affecting their lives, the lives of people around them. Um, whereas since then, though, definitely like from even our generation, the Gen X and on, we have had moments of it, whether you say September 11th, or you say uh, the recession of 2008. But I don't think that people wore it in quite the same way. And because we snapped back so fast, that I don't think that people have truly dealt with enough adversity. Therefore they don't understand how to deal with it when it comes. And so again, when it's like, this could be risky, you either get the idiot that is just like, I'll do anything YOLO and goes for it, uh, which again, major mistakes, or they're just ill-prepared or completely Mm. unprepared because they've never, they've never been involved in any of it. Right now. I think that's, I think it's, that's,
0: yeah, I agree. I think and I think there's another layer in there too. It's not just that we're unprepared. It's it's also that we're not, we don't even expect it. We think that, mm. um, and that comes, I think on two sides, like there's part of us that doesn't expect it just because, you know, we're so immersed in this, an image of life that it's just a big grand vacation. Mm. Um, like that's, we're bombarded with that all the time. But the other thing that gets in there that's even more insidious is this, I think that we feel, if we're experiencing adversity, we must have done something wrong. Mm. Like we must have messed up because the narrative goes, and I think it's a broader cultural narrative. It's also within Christianity and some other, you know, religious communities is this idea that, you know, if you do the right things, then you get the good (laughs) life. And when you reverse engineer that, it means if I'm getting bad things, I must've done something wrong. You know, and at a, at a purely unreligious level, it's just that I just, I didn't go to the right school, I didn't work hard enough, I just didn't pull the right levers, you know, strateg- strategically in my life. And so, you know, I missed the train, and it's my fault. You know, all the bad, if they're experiencing adversity, it's it's my fault. And then there's of course, uh religious and, and faith-driven versions of that too, but um so I think that it we can get really piled under pretty quickly by adversity because we think you know, I did something wrong or this isn't the this isn't the story I was sold. Um and yeah, you know, I think the truth is we all go through adversity. Yeah. It's uh, okay, unavoidable.
1: So, so then from, from, from like, let's just sit on that for a second. So. We think about the fact that we can assess all of these reasons why, and we have some of our own bias, but it's all pretty real. And it's apparent as I'm sure we're talking about this, people are listening, they're like nodding their heads to themselves in their car or whatever. So they get it. So you uh, have had an opportunity to lead in so many different roles, Uh, pastor of church, um, obviously in business in these, it is partially business too, but kind of like in these communities that you're building. And so you've had the opportunity to to lead and guide in many different roles. And so as you are seeing men today that um, either express uh, um, the fact that they don't understand how to deal with it or can't or are afraid to, or uh, they're just totally ignorant to it, how do you begin to approach them and and help them to see it for what it is and then begin to walk them through the process of getting to a place of being able to deal with it because it's everywhere, right? It's not going anywhere. Right. I think there's a couple things there. Um
0: so one is I think we they, you know these conversations begin at points of vulnerability. Hmm. And you know, I think part of what part of masculinity is to be willing in the appropriate ways and To to be vulnerable, to be honest Mm -hmm. about our fears, our doubts, our failures, and um, a big advocate for community where men can do that. I think that that's critical. And I've never met a successful man that I admire that doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. They've got a you know band of brothers that they travel with, and I think it's it's and the guys that are kind of a mess. And I've had them. I've had people sit in my office and. I'm a pastor, here or when I'm now, I'm an executive coach, and they just don't have anybody to talk to, and um, I mean, that's part of why I'm there. But part of the solution side is that they've got to have a they've got to have a some kind of tribe uh, mm. to to be real with. So I think I think it begins at a point of vulnerability. Um, I also just think trust is so, imp- and it, you could say I could say building trust, but it's building being trustworthy. Who mm. um, I like that, which is being able to listen um, and not, you know, I can be listening to you planning my next response or I can be really listening to you. Um, And with guys, especially like we listen to each other long enough to get a sense of the problem so we can pitch a solution. (laughs) Uh, And it only takes, you know, 30 seconds and I've got it, Ryan, and here's what you should do. That's not not how it works. No, that's not building trust. You're not going to trust me. And because I I, I was going to say, and then we can come back on that, but I was going to say, like, to get to a a conversation with a guy where we can talk about their risk avoidance and how they're dealing with obstacles in their life, we've got to, there's got to be vulnerability and there's got to be trust. But so, you know, if I'm just getting the 30 second download and then jumping in with my solution, I'm probably not building the kind of trust to do that. And if I'm not disclosing and being honest about my own weaknesses and struggles, again, I'm not. It's just not happening, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, what I what I really appreciate that you said there that I hope everybody caught. And if not, he, he, here is me restating what Chip just said. Um, it's really easy to tell other people what to do. It's far more difficult and yet far more impactful for you to go first and do it. And so I, I loved when you said, we can tell them to trust us or we can be trustworthy. And I think that you, um, by way of just sharing who you are, just demonstrated, I believe such a wonderful characteristic of manhood, uh, and masculinity, like we are called to lead, but oftentimes we take as men and, and some of this is like, you know, uh, kind of drawing back on the poisons of the toxicity of masculinity that was there, but you know we were kind of taught to just be loud, just to scream it in people's faces, and sometimes we need that. I've needed that at many times in my life, uh, but that's kind of how we're taught to do that: is just like you demand it, you command it, and and they will do it, and yeah. and, and yet you just postured or just uh, po- uh, posed such a such a different kind of like. A, Uh, anti-cultural way to do it which is such uh, which is of such greater benefit which is to demonstrate the characteristics that you desire in other men in order to lead them to seeing that for themselves and hopefully doing that for themselves interesting I I didn't realize that's what I was doing (laughs) (laughs) well but I I, I think that's cool that you pointed it out I love it I think that that's even better in a sense, because again, like, I mean, imagine, right, we're, we're having this conversation and, um, uh, you see something in me and you're like, Ryan, I, I just, I need you to trust me. I just, I just need you to go with me here. You know, there, there's going to be this hesitation. I don't know you, but if, if you just start to talk and you demonstrate this little level, level of trustworthiness in how you say, and what you say, and how you act, maybe that's been backed up by things I've seen outside of our discussion, other people speaking about you and all these things begin to align while I still may not want to do it myself right away. I see something in you that I admire and then if that aligns with other values and characteristics that you already demonstrate you you have integrity you seem to be authentic it's like oh i i can go with this guy it may take me a while but but I can go there
0: yeah that totally makes sense it's there's a sense of is it real or not and yeah and and i just think you know back to the other idea like if it's not real i'm not going to let somebody kind of get in my in my stuff and tell me, Hey, you're, you're phoning it in Roper. Like you're, you're just being risk avoidant. You just, you're, you're, you're acting like you're entitled to an easy life and you're not (laughs) supposed to go, you know, there aren't supposed to be obstacles and stuff like that. And I'm not going to receive that Mm -hmm. even though I need it. So I think that's right. I think we
1: have to have to lean into that and be it. Okay. So, um, this kind of brings me back to the other thing you said earlier. So you, you created this, you, you share this belief um, off of what you've seen, which is kind of like men go first. Um, we go into battle first. It's kind of like our responsibility to kind of like step into the line of fire. Um, uh, so uh, today uh, in, in many circles, uh, you saying that, It is massively triggering to people. Like, how dare you say that the man goes before the woman or something? And I like to have these discussions, so I hope you do too. But so first of all, um, do you feel that that is inherently a, a, a man's responsibility and or a characteristic built into them do you think that that's something that's taught learned do you think it's necessary to continue to teach and learn that um where are you at on that whole idea be really fun if you're like you're crazy i don't think that no well i don't know i don't know if i think men
0: have to go first all the time okay um i i probably wouldn't say it that way i would say they need to be engaged they need to be they need to not shy away from hard things um and i guess it could be. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, really, honestly, asking your spouse how you're feeling today could be, yeah, you quote went first, but, you know, you're not going to do most of the talking. And it's you're in. So there's an I think initiating is different maybe than um, sort of the classic vision of male leadership that you mentioned before, which was kind of the drill sergeant mm-hmm. image. Um, so I think there's, a, and maybe, and I guess, you know, like I said, in the sense you're saying you're going first, but sometimes it's just, it's not, you don't go first. It's how you react, which is harder. Um, and it's being present. It's being open. It's being curious. It's showing empathy. Uh, these are hard things. I'm, I don't, I'm not pretending that. Um, I'm not pretending they're easy, but you know, in a lot of sports, like I'm, I try and golf sometimes and, and in almost every sport where you swing something, bat a club whatever you there's this there's a sweet spot so there's there's swinging too hard and you all you always miss you always you know like the golf ball goes into somebody's car like whatever it's never good and then so that's that's sort of me to me like the old vision of masculinity is basically overbearing is loud some of it's loud some of it's just cold and silent but it was just mm. it was it was that and then the new vision is swinging too lightly which mm you know, it's, it's kind of wimpy. It's, it's just, it's really saying whatever you want to the people around us and to the world. And I don't think that's good either. And I think there's a third way where there's strength, uh, but strength under control and there's initiative when needed, but not when not needed, like, you know, I've got three kids and if they want to talk, I don't, I don't need to ask questions. I just need to listen. Like I'm not actually initiating. I'm just present. Mm Mm-hmm which in our techno world is not easy at least for me so that's 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 the play so does that make sense you know yeah. i so I, I think that so um
1: so yeah i don't know that's that's my that's my first yeah, no, I, response to I, that what you said i appreciate i mean to this point in our conversation i appreciate the fact that you aren't like all in on one way in the sense that it's not like it has to be this way. This is the only way that it is. This is what works. This is how we do it. I, I, I respect the fact that you're sensitive to situational awareness, contextual awareness, yeah. audience awareness. I think those things are all important and that's not necessarily a, uh, a, 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 male, uh only trait i mean that that's just general for society today we we need to be aware of all those things but but i think what is important is is back to this idea of like being a man uh in the home being a leader um uh, supporting our kids being there to provide and protect our for our family uh in, in the workplace i, I think that it's important that we we live in this balance because, and, and, and I think that's kind of something that you alluded to in the sense that, you know, it was always once this way. Now it's kind of swung all the way to this side, but living in the middle is this, we do have to have a strong voice, but that doesn't always mean yelling and screaming at other people. We have to take initiative, but sometimes initiative is I'm going to be the first one to be quiet and listen uh, while you speak. And so I think that there's a lot of, uh, awareness that needs to happen in terms of just our place. But then I think there's a lot of self-awareness that needs to happen even inside of that, which is like, how am I built? How am I naturally going to react, respond, act? And how do I counter that to make sure that there's some balance in how I'm, how I'm operating?
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. I mean, I, I don't know if we talk about Jesus on your podcast or not, but we I talk think about he,
1: Jesus all the time.
0: I think he's an amazing, when you look at him as a leader, You know, he's really not John Wayne, but he's also not, like, he's not a wuss. He's not, Mm -hmm. and he had an agenda. He corrected people. Mm -hmm. He got mad. He got frustrated. Like, but it was always with the people that needed that slash deserved that. Mm -hmm. And then he was also tender and patient Mm -hmm. and caring. And so, so what's hard for us, I think, actually, as guys with that idea, is that you really can't put it into a box. You can't mm-hmm. say, "Be this way all the time," mm-hmm. you know, because and because it doesn't. He doesn't. He kind of blows it up, right? Like he blows up, you know, the wimpy, passive, well, whatever. You know, the women want to run the world or whatever kind of version of manhood, uh, or the or the old school. Marine version, like he blows it all up and has a, it's, and puts, puts it back together in a
1: new package. Yeah, no, I mean that it's, I love the way that you, you said that. I mean, when I came to faith in 2006, um, I had a very distorted view of manhood, masculinity, leadership, uh, being a husband, being a father. I was, I wasn't really taught well. Um, I didn't have that model around me. So the Lord met me where I was at, kind of began to shape some of those things in me. But then I needed a season of like being told how stupid I was, and you know, being yelled at and being called to the carpet for the things I did wrong. But because I was immature, um, more spiritually uh, than I was um, not, uh, and I was in my late 20s at the time, I overreacted to that. And then I started treating other people the same way. It was like, you need to get it together. You need to wake up. And, Mm -hmm. And not to my family, interestingly enough, but just to other people. And it didn't work out very well. And so it took a long time for the Lord to really work on my heart soul mind to get to this place where I can balance that intention, which actually just happened today. So we're recording this a day after Easter Sunday. And I had this amazing opportunity to baptize my daughter's boyfriend yesterday. And some people know the story, but just real short, uh, he was in a coma for five weeks back in November. And then he was in the hospital for just over two months in totality. uh, And twice during the time he was in the coma, they they called it like he was going to die. We went to the hospital. And so then here, fast forward to Easter Sunday, I get to baptize him. Just this amazing, like from literally death to the best version of life ever. And so I shared that on LinkedIn just that story. And a couple of people tried to wanted to wallop in on the fact that, you know, how dare you share this Christianity on a business platform. And I was like, look, it's just my life, you know, just what it is. So a couple of guys kind of a couple of people, but especially a couple of guys kind of came to my quote unquote, defense of the people that were railing on it. And they were getting pretty heated. And, you know, my old self would have done the same thing would have just jumped in fired away. And I thought, you know what, like, I just want to be kind, like there, there, there's no reason for me to, to, to try and smash somebody down because they think differently than me. But that's taken a lot of maturity for me to get to a place and again, awareness of myself to get to this place where I can be kind to somebody that is not being kind because me being awful to them isn't going to help anything. Me being kind may not either, but that's the best chance to ever get across to somebody just to humanize the connection, whether or not we ever agree on the same thing. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's,
0: that sounds like, well, it sounds like an amazing gut-wrenching story with a really great, I don't want to say ending, but a great, a great, you know, a great moment. Um, yeah. so that's really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think that's just the, I mean, nobody knows how to do this, right? We either just give up or we go, we go rage. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's, that's our society right now. Um, so I think that that's, that's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's impossible. Maybe it's impossible without the work of God in your life. You know, like, you just, I mean, I don't know. There's could be some people that have come by some of that naturally, but yeah. I mean, that's true too. But, you know, in general, like just to find our way, it's, it's a supernatural thing.
1: Yeah. No, I, 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 I can't agree with you more. Um, so you, you are spending a lot of time with uh, men again in the, in this community that you, uh, that you're helping to facilitate and even in the work that you're doing professionally. And so what are, what are some of the things that you're finding that men are most challenged with right now? And maybe how are you helping to navigate those things?
0: Well, there's a couple, couple things that I we see sort of all the time, um, to uh, so a whole bunch of them. So one one is just how do we get it all done? You know, how do I mm. how do I do my my job, my career? Uh, and they might say this provide for my family and also actually be around for my family. Mm. So that's um, you know, work is very demanding from the people that's kept their jobs through the pandemic. You know, I wanted to or whatever. They just are working more than ever. So mm. they're not working less. Um, um, so that's that's a big issue. I think another issue is like, what's it mean for me to show up as a Christian at my work? How does it matter? Like, how's my work, and how's my work fit in? Like, because I'm not a pastor, I'm not a missionary. So does it? And I I got guys that are like saying I need to go do a ministry because I've been grinding out work all my life, and I want to do something that matters. They'll say it that way. Um, so that's an interesting kind of. You know, they, they think they really can't express their faith or live out their faith in their job until they want to exit something that matters. So that's mm-hmm. another scenario um, that we see a lot. And a third thing I think that we see pretty often is we see people, guys and, and women, but um, we're talking about guys, um, getting promoted into a role that they're not prepared for. Mm. You know, I'm the lead sales guy. And now I'm asked to manage the whole office. Um, like that one happens over and over again. Hmm. So so you've got these, you know, you got these scenarios and they're they all go in kind of different in some ways they go in some different directions. But um, because you asked me to so to offer some solutions. Um I'm sure you see some of the stuff in your practice too.
1: Yeah. I feel like we're living in the same world, but yeah. well, imagine that yeah. we are actually
0: <laughs> uh, just on opposite coasts,
1: but the uh, same world. Um, okay. So I, I, you're about ready to answer, but I'm actually going to force you down a path because I w- I would love to hear this one specifically. So all three of those resonate. I hear it all the time. Um, and yet I think the one that I've been, I've been asked a lot more about maybe than, ever recently is the middle. So I'm a Christian. Uh, I am out in the world doing work, whether that's I'm running my business, I'm working for somebody else. And I'm feeling this weight of needing to live out my faith. And I'm unsure of whether I can um, if so, how far I can push, and so I'm hearing that a lot, and so that's kind of the the middle one that you alluded to a little bit. Obviously, I kind of expanded on what I'm I'm hearing in the midst of that. So, what kind of guidance are you giving there? Like, how are you how are you helping men to to live through that? Because it's very heavy. And it it does. I mean, the first one keeps you up all night long and feels like you're gonna, you're you're never gonna ever finish that. Uh, The last one, you know, is a little bit more narrow to roll. But like this, this middle one for every Christian that's listening, like, this is probably one of the hardest ones to live with, when we're deeply considering the work of God in our life, because we want to be out in the, you know, out out doing, doing God's work or the work that God calls us to. And so how are how are you helping them with that?
0: Yeah, we like to think in terms of uh, a couple of categories. So, so we want to talk about let's talk about character. You know, what kind of person are you? How do you treat the people around you? Like, yeah, you because know, if you're a jerk, if you're going to drive like a jerk, take the Jesus fish off your car, right? Like,
1: <laughs> take it off anyway. No, just kidding. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But like, especially if you're going to drive like a jerk. Um, like you're just a bad advertisement like and then mm-hmm. figure out why like so that's mm-hmm. that's a whole there's the character piece i think is is huge um i think the second and they're all going to be C's, you know, i used to be a pastor just like you uh sorry, the, sorry. The, 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 yes, other, the the other one's about the second one is about curiosity mm. and my and we get to we've got some great folks in our sort of our advisor community they're on our podcasts and stuff and Public companies, public executives, and they're just curious. They've learned to become curious about other people's viewpoints, faith lives, and by being curious instead of a bully, they open up mutual respect and a place to articulate where what they believe. So that's that's a that's a third second thing. And the third thing I think a lot about is context and you know, how do we understand our, where we are our cultural place, like what's the, you are here. And, you know, I I think that, I think that in some ways, anyway, uh, it's hard to measure always. It depends on your, your community or your company even could be different than another one. But in many, many places we're in a, in a dynamic of exile, Um, like that's a biblical category where you're not the dominant culture. You're vulnerable because of your values and your beliefs And part of the problem is we resent that, which makes the character thing really hard. Mm. Because we're oozing anger and resentment. We should be in charge. Our values should be honored everywhere. This kind of thing. Christian country, this is a Christian country. Just (laughs) heard somebody say that. (laughs)
1: Um
0: you know, I have some real trouble with that historically. I think that's a that was that's false advertising. Yeah. When you really dig into, you know, Thomas Jefferson cutting all the supernatural parts of the bible out like yeah it doesn't, i don't think so um so um so i think that there's some real problems with that but because a lot of us that's a sort of a popular belief in certain mm-hmm. circles that 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 feeds a lot of anger um but the idea of an exile like people in exile and there's these are big, like these are people we all know we know daniel in the lion's Den. well daniel was in exile like he was vulnerable he there were a few moments where he actually risked literally risked his life to honor his faith because he wasn't going to you know he wasn't going to stop praying there's a couple other things he did but he risked his life and there's other times when he just did his job mm. you know he was there for like 70 years so like it, it's it's like um, so it's very interesting to think through like this and every now and then I like him a lot. I like first six chapters especially of Daniel as a as a guide for going to work in a real job, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is the toxic boss, you know, he's crazy. Um, and Daniel literally risks his skin as friends do too at several key points when they're really pushed to actually actively do something that was a violation of their conscience, but they didn't stop other people from doing things that were wrong. Like they, 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 they didn't have this fear that doesn't seem like, so I don't know, Ryan. And I, I mean, I'm really going down the rabbit hole here a little bit, but Love they you. didn't, they didn't have this, like they didn't appoint themselves as like the moral police for the the, <laughs> the Empire of Babylon. Um they were trying to be faithful and they're trying to survive, and they were also did really excellent work for the government, mm. for the king who had conquered their nation. So that there's like a whole they're talking about loving your enemies. So like I think there's a paradigm shift there that I'm not sure. I think that's really what gets us tripped up. Um is 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 realizing that. From a cultural point of view. Yeah. You well, know, we're not in the majority anymore. Like, I don't know if we ever really were. I don't know who we are, you know, like all that <laughs> stuff, like the things that we say, but it really fuels a lot of fear and anger um, instead of graciousness, curiosity, um, faith mm-hmm. that God's going to take care of us somehow. And our, you know, all this stuff. Like, I think it's, it's an interesting. So that's the context. C. I I think that's actually the big thing on that.
1: Well, and, and I love the fact that, you know, you said that, like how, how that then goes back and impacts character too. Um, no, I, I think it's so fascinating. It sounds like we're very much on the same page on a lot of this stuff. Like, I don't believe we were ever a Christian nation. I definitely believe that there was. values that we were founded on that uh, were birthed uh, both because we're all, all inherently children of God, whether we recognize it or not, but then others, because some of the founding fathers described to some of those values and that's great. And I absolutely want to see as much of the biblical narrative play itself out uh, positively in our country. Like, you know, I don't want God to forsake the United States because we're that wicked. Um, But, but i think it is interesting when you talk about the fact that you know we we as christians oftentimes fight to impose um our our call on the world has not been called to the same thing. Whether or not they may be is not up to us, but up to God anyway. And so, you know, we should be outraged when when uh, when law is being imposed that you know takes the life of an unborn child, or when it, it, it is inherently evil. Like I believe that, but at the same time, it's like so. Yes, we can fight for those things, but we can't impose those beliefs on somebody else. They don't think like we do. They don't. They don't believe in the same things we do. And so. How can we expect them to, I don't even want to say act like we do, because that just sounds so ridiculous, but they're just, they're just not going to live the life that we've been called to live. And so I, I, I appreciate that so much. And, and then back to the character thing, I feel like we do such a poor job of over-imposing on the world, uh, the, the non-Christian church, um, or, or the non-church and then to the church we don't do a good enough job of it most of the time. Like we nitpick at stupid stuff, but we don't really call the church out on these just atrocities that we're seeing happen in our own congregations. Yeah. And so it's just it's just so, it's so toxic all the way around. So I, I appreciate those three things. I think character, curiosity, and context are so important. I love the fact that you just nailed that down and do a perfect little sermon application there. So you can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I just,
0: well, (laughs) I do think about it a lot, though. I think, you know, where's the where's the capacity to love our our enemies? You know? Like, we talk about being a man. That's, Mm -hmm. the man did that. He loved his enemies. And I just think, um, wow, we don't, we hate our enemies. Like, we vilify them. We, we rip them new orifices on Twitter, you know, like that's what we do. We don't, we don't, we, we don't love them. Um And it doesn't matter actually. And it, it's hard for some to imagine this, but there's a whole, you know, there's a whole community of faith that's aligned on the right. And there's a whole one on the left too. Like, and it's, everybody's just kind of, you know, blowing through that stop sign. And um so, yeah, it's, and I guess, you know, I get, I, I understand it a little bit and the power of it and the fear and all that, but I don't, I guess I just don't, don't want to be that way. I don't, I don't think that's the right way to be.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this goes back to something that you talked uh, about earlier in a totally different context, but you know, this, this balance is so important, right? Because I hear some Christians say, well, we need to love our enemies. And so I'm blind uh, to, to what's going on. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like sometimes loving That's people right. means calling them out on their evil and, you know, yeah. and their wickedness at the same time. I think that that is the rare instance that we're seeing. What we're seeing more often than not is we're not loving people enough for who they are. Again, like it's fascinating when you really think about the fact that every single person walking the face of this earth was created in the image of God. Yeah. And if we really believed that, if we really, really believed the word of God, we would treat every single person differently. And that's me too, right? Like it, it's hard for me to treat yeah. certain people certain ways because of how they act or what they say or what they believe. But I think it's just so important to go back and think about that. And then I think, you know, again, like to this idea of being a man in society today, I don't care, where you're at in this, like, I personally believe that we are called to lead in a way that images the right behavior that and it's a reflection of the image of God that's on us, um, you know, to lead our families to lead our communities to lead the, uh, the our, our workplaces. Um, And and we've just done such a poor job of doing that. And what an opportunity we have if we would step into these things, um, we could see such a turn. Like we're not too far gone, but so many people are acting like it. And so they're just out there running around like chickens with their heads cut off, hoping that, you know, they can live their best life before it's over.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. I was thinking about how, when you were saying that, I was thinking about what to say next. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I was thinking about this idea and back to Jesus that the incarnation that he came here entered our world entered our humanity and was able to live with an amazing high, high concentration of difference. Mm. Like we think, Oh yeah. Geez, and like, if you've been, you've been grew up with any of this stuff, like you get numb to like how like insane that is. And so when you're talking about him as the model of manhood and, 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 and leadership, you know, being able to live in with people who aren't like you don't believe the vow things that you do, uh, maintain your integrity and love them. And part of the integrity, yeah, you know, it's a truth and love thing, which you were just talking about, but like, where do we see that? Like, mm. you know, even just, um, there's some, 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 and I've, I don't know if you guys, you're, you're in California, right. Yeah. Um, but people are leaving. I'm in New York city. People are leaving cause they want to go to a red state. Yeah. Cause they want to be with people like them. And then when you talk to your friends here in New York about going to red state, they're like, Oh, I don't want to go there. You know? And it's so like this, it's like this brittleness. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, I like what you're saying before about how, well, that's, there's a, you know, there's what we're called to if we're followers of Christ versus like what the world called to. And there's still, there's still such a thing as righteousness and it makes life. It's going to be better for everybody. Every society that's got more of that's going to be better than the ones that don't like, I yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. But you know, the, it's just interesting. The lack of that inability to be, I think that's part of all this, this lack of an ability to be incarnational, to
1: live with tension, to live with difference. Mm -hmm. Um, well, and it goes to your, what you said, your middle C there, um, with curiosity. I, I think that one thing that we have lost the ability to do, uh, Stephen Covey said, seek first to understand and then be understood. Mm. And so this red state, blue state idea, I had this uh, cool opportunity to go guest teach in a local university here last week. And so I was talking to these kids and they, and they were asking about, um, you know, like going out into the world and out into the workforce and, you know, how, how do they live? And I said, you know, one of the things that you need to understand is, is that you're going to, you're going to, um, uh, be confronted with people that think far differently than you do. Uh, this was actually a Christian university. So about 85% of the kids are Christian. Um, but I said, but regardless of whether it's faith or politics or whatever, um, you know, we're going to have to learn how to deal with this. And I said, as an example, red state, blue state, you know, right, left Democrat, Republican, I said, other than the extreme out, uh, outer limits there, the majority of both of those quote unquote sides of the aisle, both are after the same end goal, right? They, they believe that however they legislate, uh, that that enacting that policy will ultimately be what's best for the country and the people that live in it. And I said, we can disagree all day long on how to get there, which is why there's so much tension, but we don't take enough time to say, hey, what are you trying to get to? Like, what's your end goal? Because mm-hmm. if we could understand the end and that there was a lot of similarity there. We would probably be a little bit more compassionate, empathetic and understanding to their path to get there. We can disagree on it, but at least we can say, okay, I understand that you feel this is a better way to get there, but at least we're walking down the same kind of path, but we, we've lost the ability to do that too. It's just like you, you're a different color than me. Uh, and we're not even talking race. Now we're just talking politics. Like you're a different color than me. We're, we're, we're on two different playing fields. Like we can't even have a conversation. I'm like, what? Like, we're in crazy town.
0: Yeah. We impugn the motives. We, we assume we know mm-hmm. it, this is an interesting thing. Cause I think and I deal with this with clients too. Um, Cause it, inevitably, if we start to get into this coaching relationship, we're going to start to deal with tension and misunderstandings they're having with colleagues at work. <laughs> and, and I know you never do this and I never do this. Just our clients do this, but <laughs> they always have this detailed analysis of the motives of these people that are rubbing them the wrong way. Mm. And it's kind of like, well, how do you know this about them? Well, because so-and-so said that about them. Well, no, 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 no. that's That's the same thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, so one of the things we have to keep, we have to, we have to keep dealing with it at, at the, at the executive coaching level is helping clients get past their percent, their, their, this analysis and the, and the sort of fortress of arguments that they build up and to tear that down mm. enough where that curiosity can come in and, if they're a leader, they just have to focus on behavior because mm. that's really all they That's a real thing. You know, yeah. Sally didn't make her deadline. You can go on and all this analysis about why that happened, but there's only one person who knows why she didn't make her deadline and that's Sally. So you put your analysis away and go have a conver- an open-minded, curious, curious mm. conversation with her. But see, that's that same idea, like just that we just build up these, all this, all this hearsay, all this all these assumptions that haven't been tested lack of primary data from an actual conversation with a real person. And then we, we just camp out and all that stuff. And I, you know, I don't know, I don't know. I think back to my original, one of my original thoughts, I just think part of being a man of courage is that you can bust through all that, that you can Mm. create a space where you can really talk about it and really listen and, um, and not get just sucked into caricatures of people that are different from you.
1: Be man enough to listen. I just I, I love that so much because it is so opposite of what most people would say. And I think that is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to society today is to (laughs) lead in being better listeners. So that was good. And I think that's a good place to land the plane. Cool, I think great. Yeah. Be man enough to listen. Maybe maybe they're going to like make that that the title of the podcast. Like this episode is. Be there man still needs enough.
0: to be a disclaimer in there that I'm, you know, still working. I'm still working. Progress, progress. No, no, they,
1: they already heard you say that when I was talking earlier, you were thinking <laughs> yeah. of something else to say. So you broke your own rule. Yeah. But, well. you, but you also already admitted that you break the rules too. So then we're good. You, you, you've yeah. admitted your faults and then you just went and had one. We all do them. Um, I, I, I do, I just, I I value thinking like this so much. So Chip, because you, you're very mindful and thoughtful when you speak, I can tell, like, even if it's just in split seconds, like watching you and having conversation with (laughs) you, you think about, even if you're thinking about what you're going to say, you know, at, at different points, like before you talk, there's just this pause before you think, and then your hesitation in the middle of your conversation or your dialogue is you pausing to think about how it's going to come out next. And I think that is such an amazing demonstration of leadership of hmm. how to speak well, how to lead other people. Well, like I just, I think that that is just an, un, um, uh, it's just a gift that, you know, a uh, few people possess anymore. So thanks for that. Um, it's encouraging, you know, for me to listen to, and I appreciate you being here. Um, it's, uh, it's always good to, to chat like this.
0: Oh, great. Thanks for having me. I think it's great that you're teeing up this subject and, um, you know, I think there's just, it's easy to get lost as a man. It's always has been, by the way, always, it's nothing new. It's just, you know, we've got 10,000 new ways to do it. <laughs> yeah. and. Um, there's an app for that. And um, (laughs) so I just, I think it's wonderful that you're you're teeing up this conversation and I'm honored to be part of it. So thank you.
1: No, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. and um, I'm sure that people got value from today. So if you are out there listening today, watching, listening, and there was something about what Chip said that resonated, make sure to connect with him. We'll put his contact information into the show notes as we always do. Uh, If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, feedback for me, you know where to find me. Uh, Also, just as a reminder, if you are a man struggling in one of these areas, this is what our Foundations to Freedom Coaching Academy and community is about. So please connect with me. I'd love to share more about that with you. This is far more about helping to shape men into the men that God has created them to be. So that's gonna look different for each man that's here. But at the same time, we're trying to create a community that is imaging the right behavior to ultimately see a better result happening in this world that we live in because as broken as it is, it can get better. So with that, thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to the next episode. In the meantime, get out there, be you, be happy, be authentic. Thanks and talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.